The Buhag is a haint or evil spirit that sheds her skin at night to suck the blood of her next victim. This folktale originated with the Gala people of African descent living in the southern United States. Today, we'll dive into the mythology, discuss the origins of this creature, and how the belief in haints has influenced the colors of porches and homes in the south on this episode of Technically a Conversation. you're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today? Just lovely. How are you? Doing great also. Thank you. Did you finally watch The Black Panther? I have not. Okay, so here's my wonderful and awful story. I've been neglecting a yard and I just forced myself to do that. And it took a lot of strength, a lot of time. I was sore as hell the next day, but I had to do it. And in fact, the job is still not done. Like I have to, I have to do it again. Very second verse, same as the first. As somebody that uh, always finds myself having to do yard work, I can totally relate. It was not fun. I would much rather watch Black Panther, trust me. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I, I legit had to. I'm very anxious to hear your reaction to it and your opinion. And I also want you to finally see who Neymar is, since you weren't familiar with him when I showed you the cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, this does not <laughs> ring any bells. Cool. I will definitely keep you posted. Super friend Erica also reached out. She said it was so good. So the pressure's on. It's really good. <laughs> and I'm glad that we finally have a Mexican representation in a comic book movie. <laughs> or at least somebody that's not like a sidekick or something. Right. I feel like that's a, another way that we speak is through whistles. So that was, I'm just explaining to the audience why, <laughs> why I whistled. <laughs> Mexicans like to whistle. I don't think there's any whistling in this one, but there is uh, some singing. Oh my God. Please tell me there are maracas. Wakanda maracas. Uh, I don't think there are maracas. Damn it. But I don't want to say anything more because I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Enough fucking around, Isela. Quick shout out to the queens, Elena and Erica, the Duke, Stephen B., Elba, ContraZoom Pod Podcast, and Dark Tales from the Road Podcast. Thank you for sharing our post on your social media. Thank you guys so, so much. I also wanted to shout out super friends, Selena and Araceli. I spoke to them a few days ago, and they were telling me that they were really enjoying the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you guys for listening and spending your time with us. Also, shout out to Jason B. He also said he really loves our podcast. Oh, awesome. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Yay. With all that business out of the way, ready to get started? Do it. Great. Let's get started. Isela, do you have any fetishes? That's an excellent question. Um, so what's the definition of a fetish, really? Well, this is actually a trick question. We are going to talk about fetishes later. Okay. But it's not the type of fetish that you're probably envisioning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I, um, yeah, no. Okay. I thought you for sure you were going to kind of get a l little bit hung up on that. And I was going to tell you, no, no, you don't have to answer it. Oh. <laughs> 
but we, we will go into it in a little bit later in the episode. Are there any colors that you find yourself gravitating towards due to a particular belief? Colors? Colors of the rainbow? Any color. No, not at all. Not because of a belief, just because, I mean, I think... Like maybe green because it's good luck or... I don't believe in superstitions like that, no. Aside from zombies, are you familiar with any black mythology or folklore? Black mythology? No. Yeah, I was totally ignorant to this as well. I did find a really interesting one that I wanted to share with you and all of our super friends. Are you familiar with the Boo Hag and Haints in general? I've never even heard of Boo Hag. <laughs> it sounds kind of cool. <laughs> what is that? Well, I found numerous retellings of this story, but this was the version that I enjoyed the most. It's from the moonlitroad.com by Veronica Bird and Craig Domini. Veronica has an audio version of it that she narrates, and it's really good. She has a great voice. I'm going to paraphrase the story since it's a little bit long. Emmett Fisher was a well-respected handyman on the Georgia coast. Although he wasn't very wealthy, he made a good living and had a reputation for being honest and hardworking. He was also very good-looking and was getting close to marrying age. As a result, many of the local town women would try to impress him by giving him food and gifts. Emmett, however, had his eyes on a beautiful, mysterious woman who lived alone in a small cabin deep in the marsh. She was incredibly beautiful with long, dark hair, smooth skin, and piercing green eyes. Even though the word around town was that she was a little strange and it was best to stay away from her, he couldn't get her out of his mind. After several months of seeing her walk around the town, he conceived of a plan to go speak to her. He went to her house, claiming he was out fishing near the creek, but he broke his water jug and was wondering if she could spare a cup of water as he was very thirsty. Without hesitation, she invited him in. He was amazed that her voice was even more beautiful than he had imagined. She invited him to stay for dinner, and he agreed. He was stunned at how delicious everything was and how she waited on him hand and foot. Before he knew it, he was having breakfast the next day, and in short time, he found himself married to her. Shit, I probably would have done the same thing. Emmett, my man, does she have a sister? Introduce. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting on you hand and foot, and then everything's delicious? Yeah, you got a maid, sort of. And she's beautiful to boot. I mean... He never said anything like, is she nice? It sounds nice so far, <laughs> so I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett and his wife got along great, but after a few months, he began to notice that when he would wake up at night, his wife sometimes wasn't there. Emmett began suspecting that she might be hooking herself up with someone else on the side, but when he confronted her, she just laughed at him and said that she was indeed in the house and he must be having nightmares. Emmett confided in his friend what was going on and he told him that it sounded like he was married to a boo hag. The friend explained that a boo hag is an evil spirit that wakes up at night, sheds her skin like a snake, and sucks the blood out of her victims. Another bloodsucker, damn it. <laughs> you know how I love my bloodsuckers. <laughs> the boo hag will sometimes sit on your chest, sexy, steal your voice, less sexy, and ride you like a horse until you drop dead. Not gonna lie, kind of sexy again. For sure, yeah. <laughs> the friend told Emmett that the only way to get rid of a boo hag was to make it so she couldn't go back into her skin again. He advised Emmett to look in the closet after his wife is gone and find her skin. Fill it with salt and pepper, lie back down, and hashtag prosper. Sure enough, shortly after midnight that evening, he woke up and found his wife was gone. He went downstairs and checked the closet, and there was his wife's skin, just like his friend had told him. He salts and peppers that fucker like he was making beef jerky. Right. 
puts it back in the closet and jumps back into bed. I imagine he would be trying to hold in his laughter because I know that I could never maintain a straight face whenever I pull a prank like that. <laughs> is it a prank though? <laughs> I don't know if it's a prank. Like, is this going to kill her? Did we figure out what this is going to do? Let's find out together, Isela. <laughs> right before dawn, the skinless wife returns and quickly jumps into her skin and fastens it around her body. In a few moments, the skin is itching and burning her and she starts screaming. Emmett leapt out of bed and threw her in a barrel of tar that he conveniently just so happened to have had boiling. Being the resourceful handyman that he was, he took the tar to the top of his roof and poured himself a new roof. That part is not a joke. It's actually part of the story. What? Okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts? So a lot of thoughts. Let me start there. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't love the story, first of all, only because... This poor guy apparently was like the hottest thing next to, I don't know, insert, like Bradley Cooper or something. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, just before he becomes of whatever marrying age is, some some like hot hag like comes in and swoops and feeds him food. And then all of a sudden he's been duped. I don't know. That's sucky for him. And then... <laughs> turns out she these are stepping out she's all denying it very shaggy style like wasn't me but i caught you in the corner <laughs> i don't know it's it's kind of fucked up poor dude <laughs> but you know what he never said that she treated him bad true he just wanted to know if he was being cheated on <laughs> that is true yeah well as we learned a little bit more about the boo hag you might find that she probably wasn't cheating on him the Buhag is based on an old Gullah folktale that was passed around the coastal islands of Georgia for many years. The Gullah are people of African descent living in the coast of South Carolina and the nearby islands. Many of the Buhag folktales were collected and preserved in the 1930s and 40s as part of the Federal Writers Project, which was an ambitious government program developed to provide jobs for unemployed writers during that time period. Buhags are said to sneak into a sleeping victim's home and suck their blood, steal their voice, and cause nightmares. They will often ride a sleeping victim like a horse until they die from exhaustion. The term hag-ridden is used to describe someone distressed by nightmares or hallucinations of being ridden at night. This made me think of sleep paralysis and all the lore that used to be used to explain that phenomenon. The Gala people believed that if they wanted to repel a boo-hag, they could sleep with a loaded gun across the head of the bed, as boo-hags hate the smell of gunpowder. I just saw the look on your face. Yeah. What are you thinking? <laughs> I was thinking how how scary that would be to sleep with a gun so close overhead. <laughs> I I feel like that's really the wrong suggestion. If they don't like the smell of gunpowder, well, just put a little gunpowder by your bedside and then, you know, call it a day. You don't have to put a loaded shotgun or something. That would definitely be more kid-friendly, I would think. Yes. Another way to deter them from attacking you is to lay a broom on the floor, since the boo-hag would be inclined to stop and count every straw until the sun came up. Another common trait attributed to vampires, as we learned in our coconut water episode. I don't know, Isela, what do you think? Should the boo-hag be inducted as part of our vampire suite? I think they should, just on the same account of, uh, you know, OCD, blood-sucking. This is awesome. Yeah. For sure. I, don't, I, would, I would vote yes. Bay's got it all, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> got the green eyes and the, yeah, <laughs> why not? 
Another trick to avoid being attacked by the buhag is to sleep with a fork under your pillow to avoid being ridden. Now, they didn't really go into detail about what to do with the fork, but I imagine it's a stabber in the face with the fork, 1980s Lucha Libre style. <laughs> Lucha Libre is Mexican pro wrestling, for those that might not know. And that was very common back in the day. Not sure if it's still widely used, since I believe most wrestling promotions are, are now moving away from blading. Um, have you ever stabbed anyone in the face with the fork, Isela? <laughs> I've never even thought about it. <laughs> That's scary. You never saw the Lucha Libre when they would get the fork and they would stab them in the face and they would be bleeding all over the place? No, please tell me these were at least plastic forks. They were not. Oh, man. Have you ever been stabbed in the face with a fork? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I could say no. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you have? I have not, no. Have you tried? I haven't, no. Mm. It's on my bucket list for sure, though. I <laughs> <laughs> I don't really promote violence. I try not to judge, but I, I also don't promote violence. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, I love that for you. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I would say like poke one of those mannequins. You know how they have those torsos that you people use to like, uh, what is it? Practice karate or whatever. Little karate chops or <laughs> what jujitsu or whatever. Oh, yeah. You should do that. <laughs> You know how, well, we've talked about Catherine McNamara before on the podcast, yes. the girl that I have dreams about. Mm -hmm. During quarantine, she had one of those like um, fighting mannequins or whatever, mm. and she would call it her quarantine boyfriend. Oh, yeah. She gets to beat him up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what are your thoughts on the Buhag thus far? Now that you know some of the mythology, has your thoughts about it changed a little bit? It's very interesting. I like the fact that she kind of dupes him. Now seeing it more from like maybe her side of things anyway, it's it's kind of cool. I'm kind of here for it. You stan her? I do. I kind of, yeah. If she can <laughs> trick someone into it, yeah, good for you. You know what? He, he doesn't need to know that you die every night. Some Like some, <laughs> some weird ass creature. That's okay, girl. Yeah, I don't think we, I don't think we said that she died. I think you said that they ride them to death. Of exhaustion or to the point of exhaustion. Or I thought it was to death of exhaustion or something. Oh, the buhag writes the victim. She doesn't get ridden. Oh, no, no. Yes, she's writing to the death. To the death, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we return, we'll talk about why belief in the supernatural has influenced the color of porches in the South to this day and some West African fetishes. Hey listeners, my name is Kayla and I am the creator and host of a new podcast called Dark Tales from the Road. We cover true crime, spooky, creepy, and ghostly stories, and I want to take you state by state and country by country to bring you stories you may not have even heard of before, and also learn some history on the city and the state where it takes place. So join me on the road as we discover dark tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday. I have an Instagram, Facebook, and a Patreon, all at Dark Tales from the Road. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a great day. We have an anchored shooter. We have an anchored shooter inside the warehouse. Welcome to Active Shooter, a podcast that covers the whys, 
the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter events. We will delve into the lives interrupted by domestic terrorists. We will investigate the background of the shooter and together discuss ways in which they can be stopped or even prevented in the future. We will also discuss the failures of our mental health system. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. I've been shot. One six nine ten means we got shots fired. Four fifteen a.m. Route two ninety one sounded like an automatic firearm. But to be shots fired. We will look at the media responses and discover together how they may have inadvertently inspired and contributed to the rise of the mass shootings. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter. Active shooter of mass casualty incidents. This is not a political podcast, nor a podcast about gun control. This is a podcast that studies the psychology behind active shooters and how and why they make the decisions they have made to take the lives of innocent people. Welcome to Active Shooter. Thank you for listening. And we're back. Were you ridden by any boo hags during our break? No, no. Any forks to the face? I can't really tell because you're rocking the power banks today. <laughs> no, no forks to the face, nor did I throw any forks. Okay, excellent. <laughs> I'm going to make a bit of a confession here. When I tried looking for some black or African folklore to highlight this month, I found myself having a hard time finding specific stories. As a matter of fact, during my research, I came upon a quote from Michael B. Jordan in a 2018 Vanity Fair interview where he said, We don't have any mythology, black mythology, or folklore. Creating our own mythology is very important because you help people dream. Although he was exaggerating and he got a lot of heat for that comment, the more that I tried finding legends and folklore to discuss today, the more I could kind of see what he meant. There's not a lot out there, at least not on the internet. Zombies is probably the most influential of them, which we talked about in our Zombies episode, having ties to voodoo and Haitian folklore. Jordan later walked his comment back in a GQ profile, saying that what he meant is, we don't have black mythology, some folklore that's on the big screen and small screen, period. And he wanted to bring the same stories he was told as a kid to the masses. And I hope Jordan does. I've said it before in other episodes, but I think that folklore is so important. It's part of our cultural identity, and it's something that has to be preserved and shared for future generations to enjoy. Legends and folklore are the stories our grandparents told our parents and, in turn, were told to them by our great-grandparents and so on. As books continue to decline each year in popularity, and most of us do our reading and get our entertainment online, I think we need to transition our stories to where the people are so that they don't get lost to time. So I admire Michael B. Jordan's desire to take on that challenge, and I hope that we can continue to showcase different folklores and legends from other culture and different cultures in our episodes. So um, as I step off of my soapbox, are you familiar with the term haint? Haint? I have not heard that term. According to the website haint.org, quote, a haint is a type of ghost or evil spirit that originated in the beliefs and customs 
of the Gula Gishi people, descendants of African slaves who lived predominantly in the Low Country and on the barrier islands off the coast of the Carolinas, Georgia, and North Florida. Haints can enter your home through open windows and doors, keyholes, and cracks. The haint.org website goes on to explain that boo hags are a form of haint and go on to describe some of the other things that we've already talked about. They also say that some haints also steal naughty children. So it seems like all boo hags are haints, but not all haints are boo hags. Haint is the umbrella under which they operate. They also sound like they're operating as a portion of the Robochicos that you guys were talking about before that I had not heard of until you were talking, you and a couple of other people had mentioned that a super friend also had mentioned that, Brex. Yes, the Robachicos. Mm-hmm. Yes. That makes sense. I think there's some of that in most cultures. That's what's beautiful about it is when I did the Dia de los Muertos, you see how the we celebrate certain things and we share certain commonalities and all these cultures, it's, they just call it different things. It's really cool. It is. And that's why I think it's those type of things that need to be preserved so that that way, you know, future generations can continue to enjoy that. Yeah, for sure. And the reason I brought up the whole Michael B. Jordan quote is because I did try to find a short haint story to share, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a lot of luck. Oh, there seemed to be a lot of ghost podcasts and YouTube channels with the title Haint. So I kept on getting a lot of those results. And when looking at some of those, it seems like the word was just being used interchangeably with ghosts and didn't focus specifically on black folklore. While I did struggle to find a story, there was no shortage of stories on how to keep haints from entering your home. So I did want to go over a few of them. If you go to the South, one thing you might notice is that the ceilings of a lot of porches are painted a particular shade of blue. Maybe you might have noticed this when looking at pictures or movies that focus on the South. It's described as being robin egg blue, or the color of the sky or the ocean. According to an Atlas Obscura article by Shoshi Parks, the color is so common, you can buy it from a hardware store under the name of Haint Blue. Wow, (laughs) that's so cool. (laughs) Sherwood Williams, which is one of the biggest paint makers, makes a Haint Blue. Wow, that's so neat. He's like, why fight it? Let's just give in to it. Some people don't just stop at the porches. They'll paint the trim around the windows, the shutters, the doors, the same shade of blue. Haint blue was first derived from the dye produced in indigo plantations and was originally used by enslaved Africans and later the Galagishi to combat haints, boo hags, and other evil spirits who would escape their human form at night to injure or kill their innocent victims. The color was thought to trick haints into believing they've stumbled into water, which haints cannot cross, or the sky, leading them further from their victims. Is that something that you've ever noticed, Isala, the blue porches? When you were saying that, I was thinking I have never even taken notice of the color of the porch. That's so strange. It's funny because I remember thinking that one time, that a lot of houses in the South have front porches, first of all, and that people are always out there. And... That's something that we don't really see here in our area. Uh, Not a lot of houses have porches. And when they do, you rarely ever see anybody out there. But the other thing that I did notice was that the ceilings were usually painted blue. But I would have never imagined that it was due to the belief in Haynes or maybe that it was done out of tradition. And I remember thinking that while watching The Walking Dead. Remember The Walking Dead? Yes. uh A lot of the porches there were painted blue. Oh, that's so funny. I never even noticed. I pay attention to weird things. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good that you, I'm clearly not observant. (laughs) So the blue is like a haint repellent, basically. Exactly. That's very cool. 
the idea is that the color tricks them. Mm -hmm. So they think that they're either stumbling into water, which they are not able to cross, mm -hmm. or that they're heading towards the sky so that they're going in the wrong direction. So they end up, I guess, like overcorrecting and going into the opposite direction, keeping them away from your home. Cool. So they have bad vision. Awesome. <laughs> mm, I don't know if they have bad vision, but uh, they have a hard time telling things apart, definitely. Maybe that perception or... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is bad vision. Yeah, I think it's because they probably got a fork to the eye and then now they can't <laughs> perceive at least one eye, you know? Damn, Sherlock, I think you solved it. Dude, my work here is done. <laughs> That's a wrap. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Another common thing you might see in the South, especially in the Galagishi areas of the Carolinas and Georgia, are blue glass bottles hanging from trees to trap the evil spirits. That I don't think I've ever noticed, but some of the examples that I saw online looked really pretty. I have seen that, yes. And I remember thinking it looked really pretty, but with our winds that we have here, we would have just shards of glass, <laughs> you know, after every August or something like that. <laughs> yeah it looked really really pretty mm -hmm. and it'll be in one of the um it'll be linked in our show notes uh, if you want to go in there and look at it i believe it was in the alice obscura article so cool while not everybody in the region believes in haints some still continue to paint their homes or porches haint blue out of custom and tradition some also do it just in case alfonso brown who was one of the people mentioned in the article stated that he painted his home haint blue not just because it was customary but because he feared the havoc that evil spirits might wreak if he abandoned the tradition. Lewis Miller Cohen, founder of the Gala Museum, stated that Haint Blue was never mentioned by her family as a means to ward off evil spirits. Nonetheless, the museum, which was once the home of her father, was painted Haint Blue. The color blue isn't just limited to houses and porches. Andrea Fieser, author of the book Red, White, and Black Make Blue, describes West African spiritual traditions that included wearing blue beads or clothing for protection. She also described fetishes. Here's where we're going to talk about fetishes, Isela. Okay. <laughs> she also described fetishes, which are not the type of fetishes that you and I are familiar with. Before I tell you what it is, would you like to take a guess, a gander, if you will, at what a fetish might be in West African spiritual tradition? Um, If I was guessing... Um, I have no idea. <laughs> I think when something is called, it has the same name and we've, that's the only way I've ever known it. I'm trying to like immediately dump that and see what else it could, what other space that could live in. <laughs> I think this is the only thing I'm associating it with. I don't know. Yeah. I had never heard of it either. But in West African traditions, fetishes are powerful amulets made out of everyday objects. And those often do contain blue materials as well. So some type of object, basically, like a powerful object. Yes. Um, when, when I imagine an amulet, I imagine like a bracelet or some type of like necklace or something. So yeah, the blue wasn't just used around their home to protect themselves of evil spirits. It was also a part of their dress. And they would sometimes put the blue beads in their hair as well as the amulets that they made. I love the color blue, so I totally am all here for this. It sounds pretty <laughs> to begin with. So yeah, how awesome. It is a very pretty color. So let me tell you a little bit of the origins of the color blue. Oh. Indigo was first planted in South Carolina in 1739. Less than 30 years later, they were exporting a million pounds of indigo dye each year. 
If this was done today, it would be worth more than $30 million a year. Damn! Now, the knowledge to produce indigo dye comes from West and Central African tribes and are at least five centuries old. So this knowledge came from the enslaved themselves working on the plantation. It wasn't until the mid-19th century when synthetic blue dye became available that indigo almost disappeared from the region. So it took that long for synthetic blue dye to be developed. Wow. If the people from West and Central Africa were already creating it. And it's honestly a beautiful color. I can see why the demand was so high. I just hate the way, you know, we exploited it, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think that was a large part of why some of the people from West and Central Africa were, were enslaved and brought here is because of that knowledge that they had to create the indigo dye, or the blue dye from the indigo plant. Believe it. And uh, right now, the there is um, kind of a reclamation movement by the Galagishis to reclaim indigo and the blue dye it produces and strengthen the community's connection to their ancestral past. That's really cool. That's very beautiful. It is. I think also in that um, Atlas Obscura article, there are some pictures of people dyeing things with the with the dye that they're creating. It looks really pretty. Yeah, I want to see this. This is exciting. I really love the fact that now we have this 1739 number where indigo came from. Now, if you can find out where cobalt blue came from. I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, I, I really like this, uh, this story. It was really interesting. My thoughts really shifted even on that first half of the conversation to even the last half. I, I like the way you tied it together. I try and do that. I try and get things that are very, that seem on the surface to be unrelated and some way try and bring it together. Yes. Very cool. On that high note, we hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. You, you. Follow us on the socials at GreetingsTAC, email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you would like to share your fetishes with Isela. No. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> How about you just want to say hello? <laughs> That'll work also. <laughs> <laughs>